This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and thanks for joining the Tohunenbach podcast returning for another exciting season proudly sponsored by Old Zoological Bar and Kingfisher on Springbank West. Uh, we currently have a competition uh, so head over to our Tohunenbach uh, social media whether that's Twitter or is it X now or uh, Instagram and all that sort of stuff to see if you can get some free fish and chips from Kingfisher if you're one of the first 10 people to use a code I think we've put online. Today we have an interview with Kieran Maguire of the Price of Football podcast. So we're going to be talking lots of numbers uh, regarding financial fair play and health city. So thank you very much for coming on, Kieran. How, how are you doing? All, all is good. Um, the football season may have ended, but football finance is 365 days a year unfortunately so th- there's never a break uh because there's always uh there's always some crazy stories yeah i suppose it's uh especially pertinent now as it's the transfer season and um, there have been some contradictory quotes from uh Ajahn Ilagella, uh, Ajahn our owner um he's said that um we're playing chess regarding the uh, finances at the moment, but then also reported yesterday, he said, we do not have a financial fair play problem, but then we may well have to sell five or six players apparently. So um, I was wondering if you could give any sort of insight as to just how complicated the financial fair play system is at the moment, because there's been a lot of uh, speculation online about whether or not we might actually be in trouble because of the amount of money we spent last season so generally give us a bit of a rundown of what it what clubs need to do under the ffp under the ffp rules at the efl a club is only allowed to lose 15 million pounds over three years and the owner is allowed to top that up with a further 24 million to take the figure to this mythical figure of 39 now, FFP losses are not the same figures that, that you see in the accounts. And, and none of us support a football club because we want to look at a club's balance sheet or income statement. But it does now become a thing as far as uh, clubs are concerned when, when fans are wondering about strategy with regards to, to talent recruitment and retention. Um, there are certain things that if a club spends money on, they are excluded from FFP. So infrastructure spend, women's team, academy, community schemes, things like that, they're all excluded. So nobody knows with any degree of certainty the accuracy of the numbers. And also, we're all looking in a very long rear view mirror 
because we've only got the accounts of Hull City up to the summer of 2022. What's happened in season 22-23? We don't know whether the wage budget went up that year. We don't know the impact of uh, players coming and going. But all I can say is that, that looking at the, the three years um, up to the summer 2022, Hull City don't appear to have a, a problem with regard mm -hmm. to financial fair play. Um, they, they, they used their um, parachute payments pretty well in terms of, of getting the wage budget down. When the parachute payments dried up, they they did struggle a little bit in the sense that wages were £113 for every £100 that came in. That was partly due to uh, the impact of COVID uh, over a mm. season a bit. And then in 2022, they were in a pretty solid position. You know, they've not got a big budget uh, by the standards of the division, but they, they seem to uh, want to live within that budget and, and their one of the, the better run clubs, in my view. Um, now, better run isn't necessarily good news if you're a fan, in mm. the sense that we all want expensive baubles in the shape of new players and the excitement of the transfer window. But if you want a whole city in five years or 10 years, it's good to have a sustainable strategy. So there's that constant tension between financial common sense, which is spectacularly dull, does mean that you've got a football club and the giddiness that comes from making big big money signings um and and all that that brings mm. okay so uh, are you how much uh, do you know about hell city over the last few years with the change in ownership because the fact that until 2022 we sounded in a pretty good position now that we've got the new ownership and we spent a lot more on a lot more wages, especially with some loan players as well um, that have since left, uh, you know, so things have probably changed in the years since. So how aware are you of that? I'm, I'm aware because I, I did actually have a chat. Um, I think in fact I sent a copy of my book to the owner because he asked for a signed copy. All right. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've had some communication with the club um, and, and they do seem to, have a an ambitious strategy without gambling with the future of the club so mm. that that's been my experience to, to date um i've also met uh, liam uh, rossinia because he used to work at sky and i used to pop into sky occasionally uh, he is a very well-grounded individual very mm. Uh, I think very reasoned, very measured. Um, so I, I think he he wouldn't want to gamble again with the club. You know, he's he, he previously was at Derby. He'd seen the damage that can be done through ownership. At the same time, like everybody, if if you're given the opportunity of spending more money or less money, we, we tend to opt to spend more. So um, it then comes down to the chief executive and the owner to to set a budget and, and the. The manager has to comply with that. It does certainly seem like this summer and since Vecina came in, even in January, we've been a little bit more savvy. So perhaps if he read your book, he'll have picked up a few things uh, because we signed about 20 players uh, last year. And this year it's only been three. And um, 
we, we have spent a, a transfer fee on the kilo, but I suppose about transfer fees and wages, you said that financial fair play doesn't encompass everything at the club, like infrastructure, for example. But would you say that perhaps, like we look at the transfer fees that we might spend, but is it actually the wages, because it's over that long period, that are more important to whether you're going to go over that limit or not? Well, you have to take both into consideration. So, so the wage the wages impacts upon the year in question. When you sign a player, what you do is let's say that you sign a player for one point five million on a three year deal. You mm. spread the, the the cost of the transfer over the, uh, the the contract period, so it would work out as half a million a year for FFP purposes. So, just because you make a big statement signing, it doesn't have impact upon FFP in that season it is spread over a longer uh, a longer period of time which is which is beneficial but when you sell a player a hundred percent of the profit goes into the FFP so it it encourages clubs to sell and and that's why if, if you've spent a lot of money in year one you've still got all of those signings you've got let's say they've all signed on three-year contracts, you've still got one-third of those transfer fees coming into this year's calculations as well, which which is, yeah, it's a bit like most parties. There's a hangover. If you you sign a lot of players in year one, then you've got legacy issues in respect of following is, unless you can move players on or or unless they were um, loan signings. Mm -hmm. So is that why if we bought 20 players or signed 20 players and some were on loan last year, that's why we might be having to sell top five to six players this summer. That, that's right. You, you've got a squad which is which is too big. In, in, in order to, to bring more players in, you have to, first of all, it, it's it's sell to buy or, or release to buy. Um, so I, I believe you had Aaron Connolly um, mm-hmm. on loan last season. So I'm, I'm a Brighton fan. Um, apologies for, for that. Um, it's okay. Uh, he's uh, he could be a very good footballer. Mm. Well, he may well be announced on a permanent deal today or tomorrow. Oh right, so, okay, right. Yeah. So, um, I mean, he played six games last season, and in those six games, he was very good for us. But then he got injured, as right. with about fifteen of our signings as well. And um, so, uh, you know, we might be selling Benjamin Tete to sort of perhaps. Um, I mean. We're selling him, he's a striker, and apparently that's not financial fair play related, but I don't know how it couldn't be, um, because we're then we have to sell players, so it's a bit confusing. But um I guess if we did bring in Connolly, that might sort of um even if we're spending more on Connolly, if it is put over that three years, is that called amortization? That's correct, yes. Right. Yeah. Um, so if, I, I, you, if you if you sell Tete, then um you would get uh, all of the profits mm. in, in this year, in this year's financials. Um, whereas if you if you sign Connolly, uh, when 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 Aaron, I know I'm not here to talk about football. When Aaron Connolly wants to be a footballer, he's potentially a very good footballer. Mm. When he wants to be a social media star, that's when your problems. Yeah, you can it, perhaps sure you can perhaps tell that with his fashion sense. Um, he was in a big red uh, tracksuit the other day. Uh, and um, at the uh, end of season awards, I think he was in green, like hoodie, and everyone else was in a suit. So I guess that's the sort of thing. It's not like Bradley Deck, 
Uh, I mean, I've seen him. He's on some sort of ITVB documentary at the moment. Perhaps it's not quite that bad. But uh, yeah, for the six games he was fit last season with us, he, he did quite well. Um, but yeah, you're allowed to talk about football. It's a football podcast after all. Um, so yeah, I guess if we are, even if we spent, I probably did the maths roughly. I mean, you never really get, when they say undisclosed, people like to speculate how much it is, but we probably spent about 10 to 12 million on players last year with Cynic, Tufan and Aliar. But then if that's over three years, that's only really 4 million. And then we would have got the whole 10 to 15 for Lewis Potter. So maybe we're not in quite a bad situation as I, I thought we'd be. Um, what have I got here? Uh, so, well, let's look at some viewer questions, shall we? Um, about how financial fair play works, because a lot of people are very confused on Twitter at the moment. And, uh, you know, I suppose you need an expert. So Chris Smith wants to ask uh, if a club exceeds the financial fair play, which governing body has the power to impose the fines? Because sometimes, like Man City, they seem to get away with everything, whereas Reading, for example, um, got relegated because of it. Well, it's the individual uh, league in which you are playing that makes the, the determinant. So in the case of Manchester City, they were initially charged by UEFA for breaches of UEFA financial fair play. And they were given a two-year suspension from competing in UEFA competitions. Manchester City appealed and they managed to overturn on appeal uh, on a two-to-one majority, the initial ban. They've got subsequently, they've got 115 charges from the Premier League because they're a Premier League body, uh, Premier League club. As far as um, Reading were concerned, Reading are, Reading are within the EFL, so therefore they're subject to EFL rules. And what you have, and, and the EFL... If you, if you take a look at the, the judgments, and again, we don't fall in love with football for any of this, but it, it's you know, part of my job because I'm a teacher that I, uh, I, I pick up the judgments and I go through on a line-by-line -line basis. And what we now have is effectively a sliding scale in terms of points deductions with regards to um, how much over the limit you are. Um, and that, uh, that, that sets the tariff. And then you have what we call aggravating uh, issues. So has the club been awkward with the regulator um, and uh, conciliatory issues? So in the case of Birmingham, they reported themselves to the regulator. So, yeah, there's all of these things which which will increase or decrease the tariff in terms of points deducted. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why, was it Reading had a six or a nine point deduction, whereas and then Derby had 12, and then Wigan only had three last year. So it's not just yeah. a one-and-done thing. No, and, and Dar Derby's, was, uh, Derby's initial uh, one was in respect of going into administration. So that's a separate issue uh, compared okay. to um, financial fair play breaches. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Paul Phillips wants to know uh, whether a salary cap would work, considering the amount of issues a lot of clubs in the Championship and Premier League have had? A, a salary cap would work, but ultimately the EFL is a members club and the members um, have not voted for a salary cap. In fact, the EFL, when they've 
the, the EFL sort of hierarchy have thought about off offering it to the members and they've not even got as far as a vote, such is the level of hostility. And I think part of the problem there um, is that the championship is, is a very strange division in the sense that you've, you've got three clubs that have just been relegated from the Premier League. So if we take a look at Leicester City, Leicester City's wage bill was £180 million. And you've got three clubs coming up from the championship, sorry, from League One, and their wage bill might be in the region of three to four million pounds. So how do you set a wage cap which is correct, which is appropriate for all of all clubs in all scenarios? Um, so that's why it's never gone to a vote. There has been claims that let's have it as what we refer to as a soft cap, where wages would be a percentage of revenue um, because on average, championship clubs pay £107 in wages for every £100 that comes through the door, which is no way to run a business. And in the case of Reading, they've been paying double or more than double in wages compared to their revenue streams. Um, there, there's a case for a wage cap, but implementing it and getting agreement as to what's an appropriate wage cap I think it would be very challenging. We do have wage caps now in UEFA uh, for those clubs which are participating in UEFA competitions. And this season, it's 80% um, of, of revenue. But that means that if you're a big club, so if you're a club such as, as Manchester City with revenue of uh, £600 million, your wage cap is it would be 480 If it was your first season in Europe, such as Brighton, they've got revenue of 150. That sets their wage bill as 120. So it reinforces gaps which already exist mm. if you go down the percentage route. And that's part of the problem. Trying to find a one-size-fits-all solution is very, very difficult. Mm. Now, so you've just reminded me, talking about the relegated clubs, about parachute payments. And I don't really know much about them, except I know you, you get them if you get relegated. Um they seem to have sort of, not ruined, but damaged the comp competition in the championship of getting promoted. Usually it's one, sometimes even two teams who have been relegated to get promoted because they can spend so much more than the other championship clubs. So is that, you know, if you took away parachute payments, presumably those clubs would go bust. But with them, they have an unfair advantage. So what's the, uh, you know... What's the lowdown on that, really? Well, there, there is a lot of hostility towards parachute payments. But if you take the case of Hull City when they were promoted, which was what, in 2016, mm -hmm. um, they wanted to be competitive in the Premier League. Now, you can only be competitive if you can offer player, players contracts which last for more than one year. So you, you therefore have a choice. Um, and... If you go down the choice of saying, well, we're not going to offer you a competitive wage, you're, you're, you're automatically condemning yourself to relegation. Mm -hmm. so, so you're absolutely right that the sides getting relegated have, have a greater chance of being promoted, but also the clubs being promoted have a greater chance of being relegated. So, it, it, again, you've got to look at things on a holistic level. Um, it allows clubs to sign a player on a three-year contract to, to pay competitive wages and take it from there um, and that will make you have a greater chance of of surviving as far as the Premier League is concerned um, 
if we take a look at wages of clubs in the championship following relegation, clubs on average have a 35 to 40% wage cut anyway. So, so that there are that there are clauses in contracts. In order to be competitive, you'd have to have an 80% wage cut. And, right, and okay. would, would, you, would you sign as a footballer a, a, a three-year contract on, let's say, 40 grand a week with an 80% pay cut in years two and three? Would, and also, would you join a club in January? Let, let's say that you know, Hull were back in the Premier League. They're trying to sign somebody for £12 million in January. It's offered a two-and-a-half-year deal. Uh, you've got 15, 16 matches, and if we get relegated, 80% pay cut, you wouldn't sign. So no. that, that it, it's far more nuanced than I think people give it credit for. Mm, I guess that's why all the signings we made in that January we were trying to stay up were, were loan signings, I guess, because they wouldn't want to uh, agree to that contract. Um, but yeah, I think it's a shame, but I suppose it, it has proven true about more likely to be promoted and relegated because... Sheffield United, Burnley, Norwich, Fulham, uh, all these clubs, they are going up and down. West Brom as well, I think. Uh, Mark Whitaker wants to know, uh, I'd rather people pay less to watch the team and fill the ground every game. How much do ticket uh, revenue, uh, how much does ticket revenue actually matter to clubs? Um, it, it depends upon the club. In the case of Hull City, um, match day revenues are around about 20% of total. Um, if we look at the Premier League, for Bournemouth, it's it's 3%. And they've just stuck up their prices a huge amount uh, mm. for the following season because they've got, they've got new owners. Again, it, it's a balancing act. If you've, you actually find that if you're going to cut prices by 20%, you need to get 20% more people to come in. Now, let's say that Hull are 15th in the division. Mm-hmm. It's February. You've got a Tuesday night match at home to QPR. Are you going to get an extra 20% of people to roll in to, to cover the fact that there's been a, a cut in, in, in ticket prices? So it, it's a challenge for clubs. Remember, when, when you buy a ticket, the first thing that happens is that VAT takes 20% of it. So you, you say it's a £25 ticket, but it's actually, it's, you know, it's, it's just over £20. Um, if you've got more people coming to the ground, then you need more stewards. So there are, uh, there are complications there. But so, some clubs seem to get it right. If you take uh, Bradford City, for example, you, know, you can get a, a season ticket, I think, for £149. And the deal is, and the fans buy into this, I think if we sell 12,000 season tickets, they'll be at 149 pounds so everybody says let's do it in in the case of of Hull City you know, I appreciate that they Hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
there's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. There are, there are spaces on the terraces, or on the seats, I suppose. Mm. Um, so getting that balancing act is, is a challenge for the people in charge. Mm. Yeah, well, our uh, attendances have gone up. Uh, which I think is helpful because even if we are in a fairly good position, if we are spending more on wages, I mean, uh, we probably signed uh, three or four players that alone cost a hundred grand or wages like for the year or, um, or, or for, for the week, I guess. And maybe we're on 20K contracts, whereas the average used to be about five grand a week when we were in League One or, or in the championship, just getting promoted. So, um bringing in more fans, Ajahn's done very well at that. Um, I guess that is quite important. Uh, up next, Brad wants to know, uh, how would you rate last summer's transfer business, all those 20 players, and how will that Im- impact us uh, in the future financially? I can't comment qualitatively because I don't watch the team. Mm. Um, so I, 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 And also, ultimately, I'm, I'm just some nerd with a spreadsheet. Um, so, so my and going back to, to Liam Rossini, I, I remember being in the canteen at Sky, um, listening to him talk football with with another one of the presenters, and I realised just how little I knew about football because mm-hmm. they could have been speaking Serbo-Croat for all I understood, and, and we realised that we've actually got a, a quite shallow understanding of the game. Uh, in terms of what the manager is looking for in, in, in training and, and developing mm-hmm. players. Um, so I, th- I think in terms of those players, the issue is is that you've now got a bloated squad mm-hmm. and therefore it, it needs to be streamlined. And I think that will prove to be the focus um, over the course of the summer. And then once that, that issue has been dealt with, I think the club will be in a position to to focus on people coming in mm. but we yeah we it, and it happens in the it happens in the premier league as well you've only got to look at what's happened at chelsea you know they, they've been trying to shift a load of uh players out leeds united have been relegated they've, they've had loads of players go out on loan um before they can start to bring players in and they've had an ownership change as well so it, it does it, it does involve uh an awful lot of spinning plates mm. Yeah, um, I've got here written uh, do's and don'ts, FFP-wise. Presumably signing 20 players is a don't. If they're 20 cheap players, it's it's okay. Mm. Um, what you don't want to do is to, to end up in a position such as they have at Chelsea, where they've got Romelu Lukaku, uh, who they signed for almost £100 million. He's been there for two years, three years, of which the majority of the time he's out on loan. The manager doesn't want him. He doesn't want to be there, but he's on 250, 300 grand a week for the next two years. Um, so so that's that's an FFP don't. You know, don't spend a lot of money, commit yourself to a load of wages and then decide that uh, that you're not going to uh, invest in the player. Mm. I suppose an- another thing, uh, when you look at a, f- a free signing, you know, because uh, they're out of contract, that's not really a free signing, is it? No, no, there's there's no such thing as a free lunch in in, in any business, and especially in football. So, we we've seen the case of some players deliberately running down their contracts with a view to being 
uh, available on a Bosman, and that allows their representative to uh, to pitch for a, either a higher signing on fee or higher wages. So, what what you save in signing on in in transfer fees tends to be replicated if the player is good. Uh, you know, the, the player will be able to negotiate a better deal for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And uh, El Nacho on Twitter says, "Do you think our owner learned a lesson last summer?" regarding uh, how we go about, um, you know, our financial sort of side of the club? Um, football is a constant learning experience. So uh, he's, he's, got, he's got some experienced people at the club. Uh, when new owners want to come in, of course, they, they want to make an impact. They want to make a statement. And I think the, the owner went through that route. Um, and then you have time to reflect Mm-hmm. Okay, and then uh, one last thing. I think um, I saw uh, a rumor that um, I mean this hasn't been confirmed, but just do a hypothetical because it, it might be true. Uh, we signed Vinagre, um, this Portuguese left back on loan from Sporting Lisbon. At least I think it is because he's played for so many clubs. I don't know where we even signed him from. Um, it said that perhaps uh, Sporting are actually going to be paying all of his wages even though he's on loan with us so presumably perhaps we signed a him on a a loan fee is that a a good deal for them or a good deal for us it it potentially can be a good deal for all people concerned Um, if a player does not fit in at a club the last thing you want is an unhappy employee turning up to training moaning creating a bad environment taking up the time of the coaches, taking up the time of the physio. Um, the player, therefore, is an opportunity to, to rehabilitate themselves elsewhere, um, to uh, get get uh, time, to, you know, to get minutes on the pitch back and, and to prove themselves at a different level or a different club. And sometimes it could be the culture of the club, the environment of the club, and, and some people just fit. Uh, and anybody that's worked who's, who's worked in different places would, would confirm that. So I'm, I'm, I'm aware of, of other clubs, and, and again, I won't name the player, but Chelsea had a player that they signed again for around about £40 million a few years ago. Um, things didn't work out, and he went out on loan to a championship club, and Chelsea were paying 100% of the wages. So so it happens. Uh, it's, it's, it's in the best interest of the player, because we're still dealing with young men, you know, they they want to feel wanted. They want to feel that uh, they're they're as professionals. They're, they're doing their job. The selling club means that there's there's not that they don't have that player in the car park. They don't have that player taking up training time. And mm. the, and the acquiring club gets somebody who potentially can be very good. I remember when uh, Brighton had Wayne Bridge on loan from Manchester City. City were paying, they weren't paying 100% of the wages, but, but almost paying 100% of the wages. He was happy. He was playing football. We were happy because we thought he was great. And Manchester City were happy because they didn't have to deal with Wayne Bridge. It hadn't worked out when he'd gone. So it can work out for all three um, of the stakeholders in the deal. Yeah. But then I suppose Sporting, they're a big club in Portugal, but it's not like they have infinite money. So is it more just that they really don't want him at their club? Yeah. If, if, if he... If the manager wanted him, he'd be in the he'd be in the squad for next season. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then uh, one last question. I think we might have answered it. Um, I might even be able to answer it now with uh, your advice. Um, Ian Templeman wants to know: Is the 
sort of the numbers, the level of financial fair play dictated by uh, last season's accounts or the previous owner? Well, it's both, isn't it? Because it's the three years. It's it's the three years. A change of ownership has no impact, however, on uh, the FFP calculations because it is the football club that is assessed Mm. by the EFL or the Premier League. Yeah, okay, good. And uh, talking about owners, um, of course, they have the most power over um, the sort of financial uh, sustainability of the club. Um, a lot of clubs have been going under into administration. We mentioned Derby, there's been Bolton and, and, and Barry and all that. So do you think, you know, from your perspective, what, what what's the most important thing that needs to change to prevent this from happening again and again? Um, I, th- I think we need a change of thought and that involves fans as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to have you want to take your kids and your grandkids to football in exactly the same way that I've I've been able to do with mine. Um, I, I've seen my club lose their stadium. I've seen my club had winding up orders. It, it's a horrendous. And, and whilst we say, well, shouldn't we be a little bit mature about this? The, the prospect of losing your football club is horrendous. It, it it's the it's the closest thing. To the death of a loved one that you will have that mm. doesn't involve the death of a loved one yeah i suppose so and it's to many people and it's not just uh it's not just financial but it's it's a cultural loss and people will lose their jobs as well so it, it's uh, a big thing uh, well, well said a change of just approach and perhaps not wanting to spend so much just be more sustainable yes yeah um ha- having a football club to support is much better than having some big signings this year and no club next year. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, very good. Um, I mean, we'll do a tiny little bit about football. Um, Brighton, you excited being in Europe? Oh, r- ridiculous! I, yeah, I, I went to I went to the states last week to to see Brighton play Chelsea in Philadelphia. Um, it's it's it makes you very giddy, but also I think it. It does give hope for the clubs or for fans of all clubs. If Brighton can do it, and Brighton, remember, finished 91st in, in the pyramid on two, on two consecutive seasons, didn't have a ground that they could properly call their own until what, just over 10 years ago. Um, and we've seen Luton get into the Premier League this season. Um, I think stories such as those, Wrexham, uh, Brentford, you know, are part of the romance of football, mm. which proper football fans and Manchester United and Liverpool and Chelsea all do have proper football fans, by the way, but they also have a load of entitled tourists uh, supporting them. But proper fans, so people such as yourself who who support Hull City, it's it's due to you know, geographical reasons and so on and, and family reasons. Um, I think it does give hope and I'm desperate for the announcement of the fixtures for mm. Europe, um, and then it's a case of going to my boss and trying to say, "I'm supposed to be teaching that day. Any chance you could, uh, <laughs> you could let me off?" Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, there's a bit of a poison chalice us getting into Europe because we didn't have to, or we Brighton didn't have to qualify. We did have to go through the playoff stage, and um, the main thing that maybe people regret about Steve Bruce's tenure is that we basically sacrificed a year in Europe 
and you know history for a draw with Stoke by playing a stronger team. Um, and uh, you know, well, maybe it's a different episode, but uh, it was a shame. But but we did we do have a one hundred percent home win record in Europe after two games. Not many people. Um, well, precisely. No one can, I presume, you know, pretty much. Um, of course, we didn't get to the main thing, but uh, probably I, I don't think we would have had any exciting teams actually in our group. Um, doesn't I mean, matter. It, it's doesn't it's matter. going to the airport. It's it's meeting up with Hull City fans, carrying those like You are representing your club overseas. Mm. Never thought in a million years it would happen to me. So I'm yeah. Like, that's the excitement. It, it's yeah. it's being the greatest thing about football is it turns adults into children, and that it, and it can be in a good way and it can be in a bad way. Oh, certainly, yes. Um, so, uh, and the last thing, uh, we're desperate for a goalkeeper. Um, did Brighton have any that we can have? Yes, uh, Robert Sanchez. Oh, is he not playing? He's not playing. He's uh, he threw his toys out the pram. No. Um, Last season, when he was replaced by Jason Steele, Brighton have just signed a fifteen million pound. Yeah, Robert mm-hmm. Sanchez, really good goalkeeper. Um, if you talk to people where he's been on loan before, he's he's a very he's a very good keeper. Timekeeping's not very good, and um, so yeah, he might, might necessarily turn up on training on time. But uh, yeah, Li- Liam will know him uh, from his time oh, at Brighton. Uh, yeah, I would say he would be uh, he would be excellent. Yeah, well, we've already used Brighton links a few times before. We've signed Ryan Longman and uh, presumably Aaron Connolly, maybe today or tomorrow or whenever this is uploaded. And um, we had George Cox who came through oh, yeah, the yeah, academy, yeah, yeah. Um, although we, we he was on trial. Now, usually they only say trialist on the team sheet, but then we announced he was with us and then he was on the team sheet uh, with his name and then we didn't sign him. So that was a bit embarrassing for the poor guy. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind Sanchez at all. Uh, well, thank you very much, uh, Kieran, for coming on. Um, do you want to just explain what the Price of Football podcast and all, all that is about and where people can find you? Yeah, um, I, I do the Price of Football with comedian Kevin Day. And uh, for reasons neither of us quite understand, uh, we've we picked up a, a decent audience. We've had around about... 9 million downloads so far. We've been going just over three, three and a half years. Um, We're listened to in quite a few clubs because it it focuses on the business side of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, But we try to look at it, the business side of football through, through the eyes of football fans. Um, And it's my job. I I teach football finance at university. So it's my job to, to try to communicate in an understandable way. So I'm, I'm Kieran Maguire on Twitter. Um, I'm normally posting uh, mischief and mayhem uh, about clubs and what they're up to as far as their finances on a fairly regular basis. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks to everyone for commenting, liking, and uh, we're all very excited to start the new season. So thanks again, Kieran, and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.